0: Well, for some reason, Pastor Tim decided to give me the microphone today. And so for the next three hours, we're going to talk about, just kidding. just want to welcome some special people we have with us here today. That's our Lancaster campus. Can we give it up for our Lancaster campus watching live? We love you. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kevin Illich, and it's just an honor to be with you here this morning. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a question just to start off. Have you ever made any decisions in your life that you've regretted? Ever? Not me. I'm just asking you. <laughs> I think about a uh, one decision I made. Uh, I was in middle school. It's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, for those of you that are local, you know that we have a festival that goes on every Labor Day. Uh, Lancaster. Maybe you've been to the Canal Winchester Labor Day Festival. And there's always like. Now, now I'm talking about back when it was good. Okay, let's just clarify. No, just kidding. If there's anybody in the planning committee here, just a little bit of shade. Just joking. Listen. There used to be a ride, okay, that would be by the main road, all right, and it was like the feature ride when we were young, and it was, uh, back in the day, it was this Ferris wheel. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? And it had like a spinny thing, so as you're on the Ferris wheel, you can spin in this thing. I'm not talking about that one. I never rode that one. I was too scared for that one. But there was another ride, uh, the one that replaced that ride, and when it comes to rides, it was the most mild ride you have ever seen in your life. I mean, it's like this little thing you sit in and it takes you around in a circle. It's nothing. I mean, I, I could do that ride right in my sleep, right? But I made a decision uh, one time that it was one year, I remember I brought a friend to the festival and I wanted just to show him the entire experience because he was from out of town. And uh, so we were about to ride this ride but one thing you should know about me is back in the day, uh, I used to be a little chunky boy and I love to um, eat as much food as I could eat, right? And so I shoved two fried cheese, okay, <laughs> amen. Uh, and before I rode this ride, and it's nothing because this ride is so it's so easy. What there's nothing to even worry about, right? Um, so we get in line and and we get on the ride. And I don't know what it was about this day, this ride operator. Um, I don't know if it was a demon or what, but it there I've ridden this ride before and it was creaking in ways that it shouldn't have been creaking it was whipping me in places i i it shouldn't have been okay it was it turned up to about 300% i think of its normal speed and the moment that the regret came um it was like at the peak of the ride okay and i could just feel something like you know coming right up there and Everything's just whipping. Screaming. I just started seeing double. And like all of a sudden, this thing goes round town, like right in the middle. Everybody's looking at this thing. And all of a sudden, it's just, blah, just all the way around in a circle. <laughs> I regretted those fried cheese. But just for all you sympathetic vomiters in the room. Blah, just kidding. And I regretted eating that. And I regretted getting on that ride. Um, but many of us walk through life... Uh, with regrets much more serious than that. I've got some. I've got some decisions that I made that I wish I wouldn't. And I don't know what comes to your mind, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about that. I mean, what is it? Is it a relationship that you regret? Is it a decision you made when you were younger? Uh, you know, to, to just try something at a party, and now you're 35 years old, and, and you regret that one decision because you struggle with an addiction for the rest of your life. I, we, we all walk through life with some Regrets. But what my fear is, is that we let our regret run our lives. God doesn't want you to walk through life carrying regret, regret being your story. But here's also the truth, is that the decisions that we make determine the destiny that we experience. Does anybody know that? That because you decide to marry that one person, your destiny is the rest of your life with them. And I just want to thank God that I made the best choice of my life with my wife. She's incredible. And listen, the, the choices that you make, the decisions you make, determine the destiny. If you decide to not go to college, you know, then your destiny will look like, you know, trying to make, find work and trying to make a living for yourself without a degree. If it is to go to college, you spend a lot. You see what I'm saying? That the decisions that we make determine the destiny that we experience. So how do we make decisions that honor God, that move us closer to God, move us closer to the purpose that he started in our life. Because what I want to tell you is that if you're in this room, that it doesn't matter if you don't believe what I believe, I know, I know that I know that God has started something in your life, that God has plans for your life, That God has a purpose for your life that maybe you can't comprehend, but it's absolutely there. Even when you feel worthless, even when you feel no good, even when you feel like every decision you make is the wrong one. God has already decided to love you, and God has already decided to put purpose and plans in front of your life. It's just on us to decide to believe it. So today we're going to talk about uh, a guy in the Bible, his name's Joseph. We'll be in Genesis chapter 37 for those of you following along. Just to give you a little bit of context, Joseph at the time, where well, we're gonna pick up with his story, he is 17 years old. Uh, now his father's name is Jacob, uh, also called Israel, I don't know if you remember that part if you know your, your Bible well, but uh, Joseph was his father's favorite son. And I just really resonate with that, you know. My dad's here today, he could probably tell you that. Uh, but Joseph, you see he had 12 brothers, he had 11 brothers, he was one of 12. Uh, and uh, he was so much so his father's favorite that his father made him this ornate, beautiful, colorful robe that he would wear. And that didn't go over well with the other 11 brothers. The scripture says that they did not like Joseph very well because of how much their father showed him favoritism. So let's pick up in this story. verse 5. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had, guys. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf it rose and stood upright. While your sheaves, well, they all gathered around mine and they bowed down to it. And uh, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And then they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. He said, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon in 11 stars, 11 stars for his 11 brothers, uh, were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come to bow down on the ground before you? This isn't the smartest thing to share if you're Joseph. And even if it was God who gave you these dreams that shows you these things, maybe he shouldn't have shared it because, listen, his brothers, if they hated him before, they hate him now. And so the next part of the story is you find this scene where Joseph's brothers are out tending to the flock. And Jacob says to Joseph, hey, can you just go check on them, make sure they're okay? And Joseph, being his dad's favorite, said, absolutely, surely I will. So he goes out. And as soon as his brothers see that rainbow robe coming at them, their hatred began to boil up inside of them. And that what they would decide to do in that moment would determine the rest of Joseph's destiny. And they looked at him and and they wanted to kill him until one brother piped up and, and saw some traitors coming along the path and they said, oh, you know what's better than killing him." and living with the guilty conscience of doing all that, because I don't want to do that. But you know what's better? What if we can profit off of him? What if we sell him to these traders, and then we can fake to our father like he died? And so that's exactly what they did. It was his brother Judah's idea to look at him and to sell him. And so they did. 20 shekels of silver later, Joseph's entire life was changed. His entire destiny looked different than I had before. And can you imagine being Joseph in this moment? Regretting the fact that he ever shared his dreams. Why did I do that? I should have just kept my mouth shut. Why did I go out and t- I should have just faked being sick and stayed home, that way I'd still be with the family. But now the decisions that Joseph made and the decisions that Judah and his brothers made have led to a completely different life than he ever thought he'd experience. Now I don't know if you can resonate with him. I don't know if maybe, maybe it wasn't your decisions that put you into the place that you're in in life. Maybe it was the decisions of other people. Have you ever felt hurt or betrayed by the actions of somebody that you thought loved you or that you think should be the one that loves you? Have you ever felt like the hatred that other people have towards you have put you on a path in your life that you wish you weren't on because that's where Joseph is and he's about to go through a stretch of his life a little over a decade that looks nothing like the way that he thought it would. that he would go through some, some big time suffering and betrayal and I tried to, I was praying before this message, I said God I, I want to be able to tell everybody how, how bad these next 10 years will be for Joseph give me some sort of connection I can and God brought to my mind uh, the Michigan football team and so if you know how bad the last 10 years have been for the Michigan football team you know how Joseph is feeling and if you're a Michigan fan you're in the right place because you need Jesus (laughs) but listen Joseph's whole life was different and you should go and read the story I'm going to summarize it for you that he gets sold as a slave to to an Egyptian official. He moved from Canaan uh, to Egypt, and he got sold to an Egyptian official. He decided that he was going to be, uh, even though the context and the circumstances of his life had changed, that he was going to be faithful and do whatever he did well. And that's a whole sermon in and of itself right there. Uh, But you see what happened to Joseph is that he found favor with this official. And he ended up putting him over the entire household. That God had favor on him, even in a bad situation. But he got betrayed by uh, the wife of the official, actually, that framed it to make it look like that Joseph had made sexual advances on her. And so the official said he kicked him out of the house and threw him into an Egyptian prison. And there in the prison, again, another situation that it was somebody else's decision, somebody else's wrongdoing that led him there. That In that situation, Joseph said, I'm going to be faithful, and God gave him favor. And so he found favor with the prison warden and became in charge of all of the other prisoners. And there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened in that prison, Uh, and he was betrayed again, forgotten again, and I just want to tell you that... It doesn't matter if your life looks like a situation that is so unfavorable in the natural that God can give you favor in every unfavorable situation. So I don't know where you find yourself. I don't know what context your life is as you're walking in here. I don't know if you were just looked over for a promotion at your job. I don't know what somebody just texted you as you were walking up the stairs. I don't know what sort of financial trouble that you have, but I do want to tell you that if you decide to be faithful in every situation, even if it wasn't your fault, that God can give you favor in any context that God can make people who don't like you like you just because of his favor I literally have been praying every morning God would you just would you give me some favor today because every one of us need the favor of God for him to go before us in situations and to work things out because listen you can't control everything sometimes you're just in a situation because that's where you found yourself in sometimes you're just in a situation because God wants to teach you something in the situation that you're in so maybe you should stop looking. at where you are and being discouraged, but maybe you should look at at it as if God wants to use wherever you're at to develop you for what he's dreaming for you. And that's what he's doing for Joseph because you see, uh, Joseph was in the prison and there was a moment in time where Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, had had this dream that spooked him. I mean, it spooked him. He wanted someone so badly to tell him what this dream was about because it was one of those dreams. Have you ever had a dream that's like so real that it almost means something, you know? And that's what Pharaoh is experiencing. So he's going through all of his email lists. He's going through all of his group texts. He's going through his Rolodex. He's asking everybody, hey, do you know, he was going to magicians, like, hey, can you come tell me what this dream means? He was going to psychics, hey, can you tell me what this dream means? But did you know, That in the prison, Joseph found out that he had the gift of not only dreaming like he had when he was 17, but interpreting dreams. That there was a situation where there was a former official of Pharaoh's who got thrown in jail, and and he had a dream, and Joseph interpreted it correctly. That God gave him an interpretation and said, you're going to be restored. And it turns out that he was restored. But you know what happened? That when Pharaoh had his dream... The guy who Joseph interpreted that dream remembered Joseph. And so I know this Hebrew man that I met in prison, maybe God can interpret your dream through him. And here's the truth, is that where you're at right now, I know it feels disappointing. It might feel like a prison. But God is doing something in you. That God is teaching you something right now that he wants to use at the right time. That maybe God's up to something in your life, and it doesn't make sense for your current context. But let me tell you, in your future context, it will. Because Joseph, while he was in a prison, was faithful to God, had favor with God. And when the cupbearer came up to him and said, I have this dream, and found out he had that gift, he was able to understand that when the time came for the leader of Egypt to come to him and say, I need my dream interpreted, Joseph said, I know that God can do that through me because it happened to me in the prison. That God wants to use what he's doing in your life right now. And so I'll sum this dream up for you that Pharaoh had. Basically, there were seven fat cows and there were seven really sickly, skinny cows and a whole bunch of other stuff. You need to read about it. It's so interesting. But he was so spooked by this. And God interpreted the dream through Joseph. And he said... uh, the dream means that you will, the next seven years in Egypt will bring great harvest, that we will see so much abundance in the land, that it's going to be great. We'll have so much food, but the next seven years, represented by the skinny cows, will bring great famine. The worst drought that we have ever seen in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh knew, Pharaoh knew that it was God who had given Joseph this interpretation. And so what he did in response was he elevated Joseph to the number two level of power in all of Egypt. That he was to be in charge of all the food, of all the crop, of all the livestock, and he was to be the one that would hold back enough the first seven years so that they could last the next seven years. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Because here's what Joseph knew. That it didn't matter if he was betrayed in a prison that he was going to be faithful with what God put in front of him. And because he was faithful in a prison, Pharaoh trusted him to be faithful in a palace. And so, so many of us are wishing away the situation and you have so much regret that is ruling your life. I shouldn't shouldn't have made that decision or what they decided to do is put me where I'm at. But what, what what I want to tell you is that Why would God trust you to be faithful with more if he can't trust you to be faithful with what's in front of you? And so God had elevated Joseph in Pharaoh's uh, palace, in the government. And he was now a governor over the entire land. And it's just incredible to see what God did with Joseph. And it happened exactly the way that Joseph had uh, interpreted that it would happen. The first seven years were great abundance. It was incredible. But he knew that the next seven years were coming, and they did. And so here we are in the middle of a drought. And the only area, the only region that has enough food to feed people is Egypt because they had prepared. And so there's people coming from all over that need to sell whatever they have to buy food so their families can survive. And so there's one day. There's one day when Joseph is handing out all this food to everybody who needs it where his whole life was about to change. Now at this point, he's 39 years old. 22 years after his brother Judah had sold him into slavery. Here comes some Hebrew men to beg for food. And here's Joseph realizing that 22 years later that this betrayal and that prison and being forgotten there 22 years later he's experiencing the very dream that god had given him at 17. but what at 17 looked like power and prestige in superiority, in royalty. What at 17 looked like authority, at 39 looked like this. Chapter 45, it said, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he had made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household even heard about it. That the dream at 17 looked like power. The dream in 22 years, when it happened, looked like uncontrollable weeping. And I wonder. How many of us in this room have thought about what our life would be like? And now you're living in the days where all your kids are grown and you used to dream about this situation but it doesn't feel like the way you thought it would have felt that there's so many more challenges now than you had ever anticipated there to be that you had financial dreams and now 22 years later now when you're actually experiencing you're walking in the future the dream that you're experiencing looks nothing like the way that you thought it would and so many people give up on what God's purpose is for their life because they don't think that he could be up to anything good because it doesn't look the way that we think that it should. So here's Joseph, his brothers bowing down to him. And everything that God had given to him in the dream had come true. And here's what I know is that all of us find ourselves at a place in life where we're looking for purpose where we're looking for why where life might feel a little harder than we thought it would feel where things don't line up the way we thought they would but that doesn't mean that God's not still working it came time for for Joseph to have to make a decision about the fate of his brothers verse 3 it says Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph is my father still living but his brothers were not even able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence and then Joseph said to his brothers come close to me and when they had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt can you imagine Judah and his brothers and in that moment the regret that they were feeling for the decision that they had made 22 years ago. And here's Joseph. Literally, the fate of his brothers are in his hands. That he has all the authority, the power, and the position to seek proper revenge on what they had done to him. That he has everything that he needs. To pay them back for all the wrong that they had caused him. For everything that they had put him through. For the way that they had separated from his family for 22 years. And Joseph is sitting here. And he has to make a decision. Do I extend justice? Give them what they deserve. Or do I show mercy and compassion? And I can't help but to think that when it comes to the decisions that we make and the life that we live, the destiny that we experience, that there's so many times that God will put a decision in front of you and that He trusts you to make it. And in my life, I've experienced it. That decisions sometimes are hard and decisions to take a step towards God and to do what God wants don't always make sense on paper. It would make complete sense for Joseph to to execute revenge on his brothers. But there's a decision that I can think about in my life that, that didn't make any sense. It was, I was a sophomore in college and there was a moment that I had We were coming back from Thanksgiving break. We had a week of finals. And then we were going to go home for winter break. And um, I had a moment where I walked into my dorm room to set everything back up for the week. And there was something that came over me. That I was just talking to someone last night. I still don't know if I have the right words to really explain to you the feeling that God was giving me. But I knew that the Spirit of God was right next to me, in this room with me. And he was just speaking things over my future, in my life, that I had never even dreamed for myself. And I can only imagine it felt a little bit like what Joseph was dreaming, but all I knew is that God was telling me to do something. God was telling me things like, I know that you are you play baseball, I know you put your whole life into this, and I know that you're trying to do love Jesus and love people in in your school and and I know that that everything's comfortable here and I I know that that your parents are awesome and they're helping you go through school I know that all that's happening but I need you to leave right now and go home because I want to use you there take the step to go into ministry to commit your life to ministry and he's telling me things like listen it's not going to be easy it's gonna get really uncomfortable and it's gonna get uncomfortable because you're gonna live a life where I'm gonna ask you to do a lot of uncomfortable things so will you do something uncomfortable for me and these are the things that literally I, I can remember sitting there the second I walked into my dorm room I remember every single thing that was around me I remember what it smelled like even though I try to forget and I remember I remember who I called I remember who I talked to and I remember feeling like wow If I don't make this decision, then I'm going to regret it. And so that night, I decided to put in an application for a school locally here at Bible School and to withdraw from every class. I texted my coach that next morning and said, Hey, I know that I might throw a wrench into the season, but God's telling me to do this. And I have to. And here's the thing, is that just because it was God that was pushing me to do it, did not make it easy. And there's many of you in this room that were around for that time in my life. And now let me tell you, it was the hardest season of my life I'd ever had to go through. Because what God was telling me, the decision He was asking me to make flew directly in the face of a lot of people who had loved me. I mean, imagine imagine being my mom and dad. <laughs> and one night, let, uh, my whole life I've been working towards the certain school I want to go to, the sport that I want to play, that you had invested money in me and you had done college visits. And imagine one night your 19-year-old son calling you and saying, God's calling me to leave. I appreciate what you have to think about it, but it's already done. That sometimes when God's telling you to make a decision, it might not make sense to the people around you. And so I decided to leave. And let me tell you, it it broke our family for a while. That I've had conversations with people that I love that I never thought that I would have to have. And basically, even though, like, they're not bad people, it's nothing that has to do with them, it was my crazy decision, but I had over and over, time and time again conversation after conversation say, I appreciate how you feel but God's asking me to do this and sometimes not everybody understands that and sometimes it hurts because God spoke to me, not them and so what was the decision I was going to make I decided to leave and things were broken for a long time years and God would show glimmer of hope after glimmer of hope and good conversation here good conversation there but I knew part of what God was telling me when he prompted me to make a decision was that my decision was going to start something in my family and let me tell you I can stand up here however many years later and tell you that my parents are sitting in this experience right now And my mom, I got to baptize her a year ago at one of our worship nights. And that my dad comes every weekend. And that if you ever wanted to see two people who are more on fire for God, you should look at them. Because every weekend they're bringing somebody with them. Every weekend they've got. they were some of the most prolific inviters to our church that that you've ever seen. They would call this church home now. Did you know that they go and do outreach events and, and that there's been people that we see who've been going through rough times and now those people are a part of our family, that they work for our family businesses. Like, listen, you have to understand that God asked me to make a decision, but what it sparked, big picture. You have no idea the destiny that's on the other side of your decision. And I believe that that so many of you, you feel like your life has been defined by what you've regretted, the decisions you've regretted. But God is putting a decision in front of you that you have an opportunity to take. I don't know what that is for you. That decision could be Maybe God is pushing you, prompting you to maybe adopt a child. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been praying about it. Maybe you've been wondering what it is. What, is it the right time? Now I'm going to figure a few things out. Maybe all your kids are grown and it makes no sense for you to do it. It makes no sense for you to foster. I don't know what your situation is, but maybe God's trying to help you make a decision that is going to change somebody else's destiny. That maybe God's pushing you to serve. I know you work 55 hours a week, but you've been in, in this room multiple times and for some reason a message or a word or a song or whatever has pushed you into saying, you know what, I know, I need to sign up to do that. I need to just write serving on a connect card. I need to do that. And, and for some reason, you've left this place and not made that decision. And sometimes how I've felt as a Christian is that, I'm really good at just not making any decisions. That I can be in a room and feel conviction and just hear the best message I've ever heard in my life on what it means to give and be generous and it make up in my mind, yeah, I need to do that. And then the time I leave this room, I've left that decision in the room that I heard it. That as Christians, my fear is we can get really good At not deciding to do anything and what I want to tell you is that when it comes to the things that maybe the enemy the devil in the world wants to do in your life I don't think he wants to use your decisions as much as he wants to use your indecision that I could have thwarted God's purpose in my life not if I'd made the wrong decision when it came to leaving school but if I'd made no decision at all, if I hadn't made a decision, I'd still be doing what I did. And what I would have missed is God's perfect timing. And then God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life that's bigger than regret. But maybe it's time. Maybe the season's right. Maybe everything's lining up for you to make a decision. So Joseph, he had to make a decision with his brothers. Do I choose justice or do I choose mercy? It says in verse 5, it says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there'll be no plowing, there'll be no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you, brothers, to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives. By a great deliverance. And so then, it wasn't you who sent me here. I know that you're feeling all sorts of regret right now because you decided to sell me for 20 shekels of silver. But what I want to tell you is is that it wasn't your decision that you regret that sent me here. It was God. He made me father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household. And ruler of all Egypt. Egypt. And if you're in this life and you feel like your entire self, the entire purpose that you have is defined by the decisions that you have regretted, I want to show you this. That because Joseph forgave, showed compassion to, extended mercy towards Judah, the one who sold him, and his brothers, do you know that has great implications for you? And for me, Judah in that moment regretted selling Joseph. But you know, it says in the book of Revelation that there was a lion that sprang forth from the tribe of Judah. And when Scripture talks about a lion, it's talking about Jesus. And did you know that the person with the most regret in this entire narrative was the very one, when Joseph forgave him, he preserved their family line, that bloodline, and through not Joseph, that would make sense because he's such a good guy and he forgave us, but not Joseph, but it was through Judah would come a savior for you and for me. And maybe you need to decide today to not live your life full of regret because God when it, come to, it comes to Judah used the very thing that he regretted the most to put him in a situation that would redeem his entire family and it all of humanity. That God is so much bigger than what you've regretted to do. That God is putting a decision in front of you right now. God is in the decision business. That every time you walk into a church, you know why this place is different? You know why it feels different in here than it does at a concert or at a football game? It's because God is putting in front of every single person that's in this room by His Spirit a decision to take a step closer to Him. That when you know that the evidence that you are here is not just a coincidence, but it's because God made a decision. God said, I need one of you. Did you notice that we're all different? There's not two of us that are exactly alike. That God made a decision to make you. And if God made you, he has purpose for for you. So why are we living our lives defined by the decisions that we have made when God has already made a decision that he wants to do something through you. It might be bigger than you can comprehend. It might not make sense in the natural. And you may be the first one in your family to ever say, I'm going to take a step for God. But what I want to tell you is the decision that he's putting in front of you right now might not only change your destiny, but the destiny of the people around you in the destiny of the people that are to come. I'm thankful that when God saw a world that was broken, a sinful world that he didn't choose justice, but he chose mercy. John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he sent His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God made a decision to send what was most precious, what was most valuable to Him, to this world, to save me and to save you. Did you know that Jesus has made a decision for you and for me? Did you know that when he was about to experience the brunt of our sin, of my sin, that there had to be a payment made for the iniquities that we have caused in the world, that that when Jesus saw the inevitable, saw the death that he was about to have to die, that he was praying to his father and he said, Father, Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to drink from this cup. But what did he say? What decision did he make? But not my will, but your will be done and so Jesus like a lamb being led to the slaughter decided to go through with the death the only death that could pay for my sin and for your sin and so when we talk about purpose in here and we say that God has a plan for your life and when I say things like it doesn't matter what you did last night doesn't matter what you did last week because what Jesus decided to do has already forgiven you past present and future and that him God sending his one and only son to die for you means that you have purpose and you have life and that there's a plan that God has for God has a dream not just for Joseph but God has a dream for you in this world but the question is even if it doesn't make sense to the people around you even if it doesn't make sense to the career you're trying to build even if it doesn't make sense to the opinions of the people that you're closest to will you decide to take a step to take a step towards God Because he's made decisions for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, I thank you. That my whole life is defined not by my decisions, but by yours. So God, in this moment, I I know that you are putting things in front of people in this room right now. You're putting decisions in front of people that, that you want them to make. And then, God, we don't have to live for fear of regret because we know even the worst regret, even if we make the wrong decision, God, that you can redeem it, but we're going to do everything to take a step towards you. That God, I know there are some people in this room who need to make the decision to give their whole heart to you, their whole mind to you, their whole soul to you, that they have been running and that they have been trying to find a way to live life without God, without you, without your son Jesus and what you did. But right now, God, your spirit is pushing them and it's telling them that, listen, that this is for them, that this is for you. And God wants you to make a decision in this place to give your entire self to him. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And God, I don't deserve a second chance. I don't deserve what you did for me. But I know that, that you love me so much that your grace has covered every mistake. And God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for showing me grace, God. Thank you for having purpose beyond anything that I could dream of or imagine. God, thank you for saving me. From this moment forward, I'll live my life for you. I'll follow you. Whatever that means, whatever the step, whatever the decision, God, I give my life to you. And I believe that there are so many people in this room and in Lancaster that you prayed that prayer, that you made that decision for the first time. And I know that sometimes when we make a decision in our heart, the next decision is to physically show, to acknowledge before God, that it's the decision that we made. And I believe there's many of you in this room that if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three, and you need to shoot your hand up in the air just so I can see. Everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed, but you need to acknowledge before God that you made that decision in your heart today. Something will happen when you shoot that hand up in the air. I want to pray for you. If that's you, if you just prayed that prayer on the count of three, raise your hand, one, two, three. Amen. I see all your hands. Anybody else? In Lancaster, there's still time. Amen. Wow. God, we thank you. God for everybody. Prayed that prayer. God for your purpose. God for your plan. God, I pray for everybody in this room that that has a decision to make. God, I pray that you give them strength that even when it doesn't make sense in the natural, that, God, you would give us strength to make the hard decision for you. Not for our destiny, but for yours. And so, God, we love you. And we thank you for your word that's living and for you who gave it all for us. And it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. Come on, let's give it up for his word one more time.